0: Hey there, C41A listeners, we now continue with part two of our panel discussion on separations and retirements. We hope you enjoy.
1: The views and opinions of authors expressed herein do not necessarily state or reflect those of the United States government and shall not be used for advertising or product endorsement purposes.
2: of you now have made a mention to a resource and I want to touch on this Uh, this was not my original question but uh, given that all three of you had made mention to LinkedIn I wanted to kind of touch on this because it the the core is right now sort of pushing um, use of LinkedIn and they're pushing a lot of messages uh, via LinkedIn and I think they're encouraging a lot of MSEs to start using it as a as a tool for networking and just creating that virtual resume. So to what extent uh, did you guys use LinkedIn, if if at all? Um, and then did you find it helpful or, or not during your transition process?
3: So I didn't use it at all when I was active duty again because I was kind of in that mindset. Well, I'm active duty, you know, I have a job, so I don't need to use it. And then once I kind of was like, okay, I think I'm gonna separate, it's when I kind of had the oh crap moment of oh
4: I probably should have been using this more so um
3: it wasn't really until I went through tap where yeah. I realized how important it was I I really thought the Department of Labor segment of tap was extremely useful go over resumes everything but they really we took an entire afternoon just going over LinkedIn like redoing our our headline our summary section and just kind of getting tips for that so I'm On there at least once a day, if not several times a day, just kind of you know following people in the industry that I'm going into. I haven't really gotten much to posting yet, just because I haven't done it yet. Um, So that's something I need to work on a little bit, but definitely trying to get more into it now.
0: Sort of similar for me, right? And it it makes me laugh. I'm not sure if it was Daria or Shelby that mentioned that you started a LinkedIn account in college. (laughs) Just made me feel really old. LinkedIn, I, I. Joined the party way late and started to get going on it. During tap, they talked about LinkedIn. They had a separate class about LinkedIn, so I took that. I'm just amazed by the power of LinkedIn and all the uh, kind of algorithms and analytics that are in there. And just ignorant to the system and dumb me, I didn't realize you could do a quick search to be like, okay, I know I'm imp- interested in WellMed. Let me look and see what kind of Air Force veterans are already working in WellMed. And you know, you dial that up, and then boom, there's a the list. And then you just go ahead and reach out to one of those folks, right? And just ask, hey, I'm interested in WellMed. I see that you're a veteran, whether it's Air Force or whatever service it is. And it's amazing how willing everyone is to help just to sit, talk about their experiences, right, of why they're with a company and what's making them stay and kind of their transition process. It's really a powerful tool. You'd probably make an argument that's even getting more powerful than your resume itself, right? on on what you put in there. And so I'm still learning on LinkedIn, getting a little bit better slowly, but it's definitely an awesome tool that you've got to start taking advantage of. And I, and I think it's awesome that, uh, more and more Air Force accounts are getting created and that the Corps adopted the LinkedIn page and all that. I should have started sooner.
2: Yeah. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. How about you, Daria?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Can't, uh, sing, LinkedIn praises enough. But for me, it was again from private for private sector, you know, that was always kind of bred into us that you need to have LinkedIn. It's an extension of your resume. You can put, you know, a ton more in there and it's your virtual presence. So that's kind of how a conference is like HCHE and different stuff, you kind of exchange information, instead of business cards, you have your QR code from LinkedIn and you know, it goes right to your account. And so in grad school, that was super important. Uh, obviously, on active duty, like you guys are saying, is just coming around as a presence. But it was always recommended to me that you have a minimum of 500 connections on LinkedIn um, and you want Value Obviously, friends and family are nice, but you want to start to network with people, you know, that that work in roles that you might be interested in working in or people that you might be interested in working for or you can follow companies that you find interesting and building those connections before you're actually looking for a job. So you don't want to go into someone immediately with the ask, but you want to build uh, that network, you know beforehand. Uh, So like Scott was saying, you can dial into a specific company, you can see exactly what school someone went to, if they have listed, if they're, you know, a veteran, if they have anything that's uh, in common to you to kind of start the conversation. Uh, But that's kind of what I did as I was searching and separating two, so connecting with a ton of people in Amazon, connecting with a ton of people in the VA, and really just doing informational interviews, you know, getting them to talk about themselves. Why do you like where you work? Why have you worked here so long? You know, what's interesting about this? Um, who should I talk to next, right? and And that connection will just kind of keep spiraling, snowballing into bigger and bigger snowball if you want it to. And that's ultimately how I got connected with the recruiters that I found at the VA. Um, and I was getting a lot of offers on the hospital side, but then got an interesting offer on the benefit side. So if I wasn't working, um, you know, doing my own networking on LinkedIn, that path probably wouldn't have opened up as naturally for me. So it's a great way to kind of just get yourself propelled forward. Um, I do want to add a note too that I actually used a professional resume writing service too, just as like an added boost. And part of that package I purchased was not only a resume revamp, but a LinkedIn revamp. So they look at your, the entirety of your package and try to, you know, promote you the best they can with core writing. And she was able to look at my OPRs and awards and different packages and really translate that into a better civilian speech. To sell my skills, you know, as as a whole package with LinkedIn and my resume. So, if you have some extra money laying around, I think that's definitely a good investment to really get yourself a boost forward.
2: Yeah, Daria, thanks for covering that. Uh, that actually was another question that was on our Facebook page that somebody had asked, like, what writing services, if any, did you use um, for uh, brushing up on your resume? Well, I I wanna take a moment to say, thanks for all your feedback on, on LinkedIn. I'm really happy to hear that you guys all have like a very positive experience with LinkedIn. I actually owe my MSC career to LinkedIn. I had reached out somewhere on LinkedIn before I ever became an MSC and and a retired MSC 06 reached out to me and uh, introduced me to the world of healthcare administration and what an MSC was and got me in connections with some folks that I shadow with and ultimately always selected. So I'm a huge proponent of LinkedIn. I, I believe in the, the power of uh, LinkedIn and, and how useful it is for networking and making connections. Um, I do want to say that we are not in any way affiliated with LinkedIn, Uh, but if somebody from LinkedIn wants to reach out to us, we're certainly willing to entertain some some discussions. Daria, you also had said something that I I think segues nice into my next question. So how were you uh, financially prepared? Shout out to Michaela Lewis, one of my HSA instructors. She had posed the question, um, what did you do to financially prepare yourself um, for the transition? Uh, I think she was specifically asking like, and maybe not working afterwards, but we're just kind of looking maybe just generally, how were you financially prepared for the transition? Because I think all of you kind of said there's a two to three month sort of gap there as you're looking for work. And, you know, how did that go for all you guys?
3: I would say what I did to prepare for the transition, probably about six months before my separation date, my husband and I sat down and we kind of did an estimate of what our our monthly expenses we're going to be, and then especially, you know, after I gave birth to my son, we, we did it again. And so we kind of got a ballpark estimate of what we would be spending each month. Um, and then we looked at his monthly income to see, you know, how short or over we were going to be. And then I really just put away that aside a certain amount every month to put into my savings. Um, just to kind of as a little buffer. And then thankfully, you know, I went through the VA process and I was able to get some, a little bit of disability. So that helped as well. So definitely make sure you utilize the VA claim process because that can kind of help cushion some of that that missing income that you might have and then you know of course if you can plan it out to use terminal leave while you're still getting a paycheck or you know selling back your leave I know it financially it makes financially it works out better if you can use terminal leave but if for whatever reason you can't use it I I couldn't use it just due to some you know circumstances so I ended up selling back leave and that was able to provide a little bit of cushion as well
4: as far as financially, yeah. So I wasn't retiring. I knew right I was gonna have to work. I've lived all over the place before the military. So the the moving thing and saving wasn't as big of a hurdle for me. But I guess, you know, if you are planning to retire or separate, I think we have touched on it before, but you know, what does that life look like for you? You know, what do you want to work a lot or do you want to work a little? Is there a you know minimum that you need to make different things? That will impact your your life as a whole. I think t- you need to evaluate, obviously, for finances. And then, again, like exploring what VA disability looks like for you. That shifted my choices. If I didn't have my VA disability, I probably would have made different choices, you know, different career path choices. Also, you know, your retirement check, uh, Pension where you're going into the government. Uh, I also, as a government worker, now get to buy back my military time, which will go towards my retirement, um, which I'm completing now to do. Uh, and then there's there's different parts be- beyond your TSP that play into that because, again, it's, it's government. So there's financial planners that are versed in specific government things they know about. They're called federal retirement consultants and they are um, free. I know for GS folks, so I'm not sure how far that extends, but they can help you establish a blueprint, what all that looks like. Um, if you want to work beyond you know, a certain age or, or you don't, you want a certain amount each month. So that's someone that I've worked with and they've laid out a full... Blueprint towards my GS retirement. Uh, But in separating, thankfully, my husband is a government contractor. So I let him choose our next move. And that's why we ended up in Colorado Springs. Uh, But now I am in Des Moines, Iowa. So I've planned and done a lot of moves for myself, but that might be a big point too if you've never packed and moved yourself, you might want to look into some of those costs and the different cost of livings. And also there's a lot of resources out there about state to state, the different benefits that are provided for veterans. So that's also a good thing to look at based on where you want to go.
0: So on the financial side, like every great MSC, right? I had a spreadsheet, so nerd alert here. And in that spreadsheet, I kind of just did some forecasting, right? Of, what happens if I am unemployed for a certain period of time? What do my bills look like? Um, some of the things I've already been discussed. Obviously, you know years ahead of when you plan out on transition, as you're always doing, right? you're you're paying down your debt or whatever you're trying to do just so you don't have these uh, excess bills when it's time to transition. But you also kind of have to look at what are my priorities, right? What areas of my life do I want to spend a little bit more on and where can I cut back at? You know all that just normal financial budgeting kind of process. And there's certainly people that can help with that. But as I kind of generated these nerdy spreadsheets, I would just bounce them off some people that I trusted and people that have been through it and just say, hey, does this kind of make sense? And then I just, you know, sheer dumb luck and timing. For me, it, it sort of worked out really, not sort of, it really worked out well. And again, it was just dumb luck, skill bridge to terminal leave to having a job already on terminal leave. And so got a chance to double dip a little bit. But the planning process was the same, right? Plan on being unemployed for so many months and uh, just see what your situation looks like, what your priorities are, and uh, and what your bills are.
1: All right. So the next question that I have for the panel, is there anything that you can point to uh, looking back on experiences or roles that you had in the Air Force as a Medical Service Corps officer that really helped you, giving you something that you you now really appreciate more in your, in your civilian path.
0: Yeah. I I know I talked a little bit earlier on things that maybe habits or things that you need to shed kind of once you get into the civilian world, but man, the MSC just experience and the Air Force in general is just such a great learning lab on so many different things, right? Leadership, taking care of people, just being in uncomfortable situations and, and just, you know, sprinting on things. And it's amazing the qualities that we have and what we bring to the civilian world. I know sometimes in my head anyway, I, I discounted maybe what I could bring at the table or that the civilian world was going to be at just such a higher echelon of, of everything they do is probably perfect and the processes are amazing and all these things. And then I've, I've just found like, oh wow, I think as the government, we did a better job in this area or that area. And oh yeah, I maybe I haven't done that completely, but I know how to to connect with folks and take care of people and and learn quickly on my feet as we, you know, jumped around to different things in our careers. So although going into it, I thought, man, I'm gonna have so much to learn. And I do, and, and don't get me wrong, there are definitely days where I feel like a complete, Second lieutenant coming out of, coming out of school, right? And not knowing the organization and the connections and, and those kinds of things. But, but man, I feel really prepared in a lot of ways and not stressed in a lot of ways. And I have the, the MSC core and the Air Force in general just to, to thank for that. So I think just know that or be comfortable with the fact that you're going to come in really prepared and it's going to surprise you in situations that you can't even think of until you're, till you're actually doing it.
4: Yeah, I think echoing what Scott said, it's the leadership portion for me. You know, you're just thrown into whatever situation as an MSC. Um, I think my first flight was about 50 people, you know, active duty contractors, civilians, what have you. So, like, I was not prepared at all coming out of grad school and everything for all the personal items you encounter you know very very serious or not you know but just focusing on people and getting them to perform in the best because obviously you're not an expert in whatever area you're going to so for me it was that that leadership push um, and I think that's exactly what I was looking for but you you know you in active duty, you deal with just so much personal side of people's lives. It's not just about the job, which is very different in the private sector, but it does help you, I think, to form a lot better or deeper type connections and be able to to motivate and work with folks. I think on a a much much more impactful level um, than the private sector necessarily, you know, prepares you for. So. I've done a lot of leadership even in the VA since then, more in informal and informal spaces, but it's something that you know really I think has a, gives you an edge up because you're put in all kinds of different situations and just you know expected to excel. So I think that that was was my biggest takeaway that something I wouldn't have got if I just went straight into the private sector and didn't become an MSC first.
1: From my time when I was doing a civilian residency, at the Mayo Clinic, I kind of saw a little bit of that. I got a a small glimpse into the civilian healthcare, and I felt like my peers in that moment weren't having the same level of experiences that we have right from the start. As Medical Service Corps officers, I think we're given, I think, a little bit more responsibility than other fresh-out-of-college graduates get, and the civilian sector catches up quickly. You know, but those first few years definitely like well, like three, four years in I felt like I was doing a lot more, had a larger scope of responsibilities than other MBA graduates from you know one or two years out of college. but, uh, but now you know and I'm connected to them on LinkedIn now I'm looking at their careers and their uh, you know department heads and product line managers and things like that and so they've outpaced me pretty quickly in the in the eight years uh, from that residency.
3: I'd say each of my roles. So again, I did Topa, GPM, and systems. Each one definitely, I took some knowledge away that has prepared me for. I guess my interviews, right? Because I'm not working yet. But um, you know, for Topa, it was the managed care experience and really just how healthcare insurance works in general. You know, I came back to duty right out of college, so I, you know, at the time, I was on my parents' insurance. I didn't really understand how it all works. But you know, once I commissioned, and you know being in in TRICARE um, really just understand the basics of healthcare insurance, which I think every person should really know. But that definitely helps um, because right now I'm primarily applying to healthcare roles. And so having that background in in managed care and referrals and insurance, I think definitely helped me. And I think with my time in systems, just kind of learning everything that happens in an IT shop is really helpful as an end user, but because before I went into systems, really my extent of knowledge was, oh, they, they work on tickets, but no, there's, there's network engineering, there's network administration, there's cybersecurity. You don't really see all that. So I think that that was helpful really, but my GPM role was really what helped me the most just because, and you know, it can depend on what you want to go into. So for me, I'm going into data analytics. So my GPM experience was really what, Everything about that experience has kind of helped set me up for the path I'm at at now. But you know, we joke around that MSCs love our spreadsheets. If you you don't like spreadsheets, (laughs) uh, I recommend getting comfortable with them. I mean, that's really all I'm going to be you know doing when I transition into my next role. But that particular role, I, I just learned so much about you know data analysis and you know, forecasting and things like that. So that's a little bit more particular to the particular role that I'm going into. But also in that role was, you know, trying learning how to work with people that aren't seeing the same stakes that you're seeing. So, you know, I'm an administrator as a GPM, and I'm trying to work with these clinicians. And we, you know, we don't always see eye to eye on things. So that was definitely was helpful. And just as, as Daria mentioned that, you know, the leadership role is something that a lot of you know, your counterparts in the private sector might not have experience if they didn't, if they didn't serve in the military. Um, I'm not looking to be in a manager role for a few years, just because I really want to be able to get the foundational knowledge in the industry before I can kind of move on to a manager role. I do want to get back to that eventually, because I really did enjoy, you know, that leadership aspect of my jobs. But that's my input more in like the kind of like the technical side of things on which roles really helped me prepare for the civilian side.
0: Yeah, thanks for all that information. So I'm just going to jump into the next question. This comes from Karen on Facebook. Was the time slash money spent for getting your professional certs worth it for the civilian sector? This sounds like a trap question. Danger. <laughs> 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 um, you know. We'll, we'll edit appropriately if it, if it gets <laughs> weird. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, you no know, hindsight 2020. I think, you know, those last couple of years, I probably should have been more aggressive on a, a credential and certification. I mean, it seems and you'll, you'll see it when you go out on LinkedIn, right? Like everybody's got alphabet soup after their, their last name. And, and, and I think at the end of the day, it's awesome going to those conferences. And yes, you learn some stuff there. On what's going on, what's the latest and greatest. But the biggest benefit of going to that and being a part of those organizations is the networking piece, right? It, and, I, and it seems like we're always saying network, 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 and you kind of get sick of hearing it, right? Same as grow where you're planted, right? Like I said that a thousand times as well, but it's so true. And I think the money spent to go to those forums, to network, and maybe listen to some of the issues and problems that the civilian sector has that we didn't have as the government, I think it is crucial just so you get start getting familiar with some of the terms and the lingo and, and meeting some of the people. So I definitely think one of my regrets is I, I probably should have been more aggressive over those last couple of years of obtaining some more of, of those things.
4: Yeah, I 100 percent think it is it is worth it. I think it depends on what path you're after, or where you're trying to go. Just this past year, like I love Ache. I, I've been to many of the conferences, many different things. I think they're great, but I really don't find the membership to be worth the cost anymore because of the the targeted path I'm on. So, you know, I let that membership lapse. But I would still attend their v- events. I do find them valuable. I mean, they're expensive either way, but in the last couple months of my transition. So I was working on my VA disability and I also worked to complete my PMP. Um, So I knew that I wanted to really focus on project management. I had done so much of it. I just didn't have the official credential. Um, But the civilian sector, I mean, not only looking at education, but you know, that's kind of fading because everyone gets education. So the certifications are very highly valued in the civilian world. They look at that very favorably and say, okay, you're serious about XYZ topic, you know, and every different realm has their own cert. So that's why I just say, you know, look at whatever you're into, but it is looked on very favorably. So Um, In this next year, I'm also looking towards a customer experience certification. That's the big buzz in my industry right now um, and where everyone is focused. So, you know, kind of where you want to go or what you want to pursue, I think will dictate what, you know, that exceptional certification looks like for you. Um, And I would research that because there's a ton of opportunities out there for free or low cost prep for certs, especially for folks that were active duty veterans. That's how I went through PMP. I was working, looking at SHRM and I did some prep classes there too, but yeah, all pretty much free of cost. Uh, So again, just a a ton of resources that are there. But if you have a specific passion or, you know, specific track you'd like to go on, um, I highly recommend the CERT because I think it will help in your civilian transition.
1: Shelby, are you seeing on the interviewing or job seeking side you know a a request for certifications or are they are employers making that kind of a deliberate thing or or no
3: not in the roles that i've been interviewing for i think that's just kind of the nature of the industry that i'm going into i will say though that you know one of my classes that i just took in my masters was it project management and i know that when i was in systems um you know everything in systems is is project management so That is one that I wish I would have done when I was active duty. But I know that the Institute for Veterans and Military Families um, through Syracuse University, they offer, I believe it's like a free PMP. I don't know if it's like a certification or if it's just like a prep course, but um, I know they offer that free to veterans. So I do plan on doing that. Um, But no, nobody so far. And, you know, it also might be because I'm kind of looking entry-level roles, just with a kind of a slight pivot into um, a different career field. Um, But nobody's specifically asked for any kind of certifications yet.
1: So one comment that I wanted to make, just kind of drawing some connections from this conversation is, you know, Scott, at the beginning, you had mentioned how you kind of saw yourself as a generalist, during your Air Force time. I think ACHE as a as an organization really appeals to the generalist track. Like what Daria had mentioned, there are there are things that are a little bit more focused from a certification standpoint that are more applicable to specific career fields. So I've kind of seen the same thing myself about ACHE, where you know good general healthcare operations type conversations and, and Opportunities and some particular sessions are, are more value added than others to me personally. But there's something to be said for a you know being an expert in a particular focus area that I think is is probably looked upon more favorably, like HIMS or HFMA or PMP or some of those other organizations that the Air Force endorses from a board certification standpoint if that's the area that you want to be in post-military, that uh, a focused certification might be better for you.
4: Yeah. And they have a, a super certification program. I mean, it's great, you know, if you want to work in a hospital, but again, everyone has their own, you know, specific cert for I don't know, like when I worked in compliance, you know, they have their own conference and their own certs in there. So it's whatever brings most value to you, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. And sometimes you're just not going to know until you get there, right? Like I, I probably need to start pursuing, uh, chime and hymns. And I never would have thought about while I was active duty, right? I was thinking more ACHE and working in a, in a huge hospital and that kind of thing. But, uh, that's probably the direction that I really need to go. You know, definitely, as, as was said, a lot of free stuff out there, maybe that you can get a feel and just see if you even like it or not. I took the pro, the, you know, the, like a PMP sample class and, uh, and it was great information. Working with project managers at WellMed, I don't think I want to do that, right? So, although it would be awesome to get that PMP for me, I'm just not as interested to to go down that project management lane. So, so it's one thing just to get certs, just to get certs, but you, you definitely want to do something that appeals to you and that it's going to grow you in the in the kind of the role that you're in.
4: For sure, you know that that specificity too is going to get you a network of people that you know, work in the areas where you want to be. So you're already then creating, you know, more LinkedIn connections, more people that possibly have jobs, like things that you're interested in. Um, so I know they maybe push that later in the career as an MSc. But, you know, if you're hype about systems and health informatics, like, you know, go for it and get that cert. If you want to know more about, you know, HR, go for SHRM and, and figure out all your, but it's going to give you great knowledge while you're in active duty, but also going to help you with a leg up as you get out because you're building a whole network of people that, you know, do what you want to do.
2: All right. So before I kick it over to, for the last question here, I just want to uh, we talked about some financial or fiscal responsibility and and finances. And so we we will have an episode coming up here soon on the psychology of money. So we just want our listeners to go ahead and look out for that or um, if this episode, I guess, is released after that one, uh, then go back and and listen to that to that one previously. sometimes we we will release a little out of order. So but then also, to go off of the, the specialist and generalist conversation, we have an episode on a book called Range. Um, and so we discussed some of that there as well. And then some my final question uh for all of you guys, and we kind of brought this one up here in the beginning. What are you currently reading or or what would you recommend to to our listeners?
0: I think I've kind of over-indexed and I'm I'm probably late to the party on on Scott Galloway, if you're familiar with Scott Galloway. So I just read the four, which is, you know, taking a look at the, the big four, right? Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, and just the the pros and cons of those companies, and 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 where they're going. And then I'm about to jump into another one of his. It's adrift. It's it's sort of like America in a hundred, in a hundred starts or something like that. Um, I'm interested in that. And then my next one on the list is Ryan Holiday, Discipline and Destiny. I've heard a lot about that, so I'm just interested in in picking that one up but uh i kind of go in spurts with reading i'll do a lot of it and then i'll i'll take a break for a while and maybe get into more podcasts or if i'm you know trying to finish up ted lasso i might not have time to read but it kind of cycles for me but those are sort of what's on my plate
2: yeah all great recommendations and uh and bonus points for the ted lasso reference
4: didn't know we're getting bonus points. So what I'm reading now is called The Talent War. It's by Mike Sorelle and George Randall. Um it's how uh, special ops kind of succeed in the war on talent and they're part of the group that's uh Jocko Wilnick that does that podcast um and they actually have a whole group called Echelon Front that helps veterans Get matched to after active duty. But my all time favorite is the seven day weekend, Ricardo Semier, just kind of changing the way work works and, you know, embracing that you have one life. It's not about work life balance, but it's about your life and fitting that work in. So those are my two current.
2: Yeah. Thanks for sharing those. And Shelby, over to you.
3: Well, let me preface this with I don't do much, much reading with uh, being full time master's student. stay-at-home mom currently and trying to interview for jobs um i don't get much time these days but when i do get time i kind of have two of them kind of going back and forth in between the first is 48 laws of power by robert green um that's pretty a pretty well-known book it's just just like the chapters are really short just like little i guess lessons kind of like on how to um position yourself in a place to kind of you know level up and then the other one that I'm reading, which is probably not as applicable to people, but it's called "Hunt Gather Parents," and uh, this one's by Micheline Uh But this one's kind of about um, how ancient cultures how they've raised their their kids. About they kind of raise them as being a contributing member of the family. So, you know, a lot of times, like in American culture, you know, we we have kids sit in front of the TV to distract them, or we give them like kids specific toys to to play with and this book is talking about how ancient cultures, you know, they raise their kids as, you know, being part of the family chores and the family work that needs to be done. So um, you know, just kind of an interesting read. I saw a couple people on my social media feed that read that are reading it and really highly recommended it. So and I figured, you know, <laughs> better start putting my kid to work now. So those are my two reads right now.
2: Yeah, those are great recommendations from all of you. Thank you so much. Um we'll we'll try to get those up onto our either our Facebook page or maybe our website so the listeners have an opportunity to check those out as well. So thanks for sharing those.
1: As we're wrapping up the panel here, just want to give everyone just an opportunity to share any any parting thoughts or any last recommendations or advice that you give folks, especially those that are in the military close to their transition time this episode thus far has been just jam packed with practical advice and some and some great experiences and resources that all of you have used so thank you again so much for that but any anything further that we didn't cover any anything you want to repeat just to add some extra emphasis to
3: just know that it's going to be okay no matter what anyone tells you you're going to be totally fine. Um, like I had those thoughts when I was leaving. And like I mentioned, a lot of people, you know, were trying to not try to talk me out of it. I had one person in particular that did try to talk me out of it, but um, you know, everything's going to be okay. It's going to work out. You will be fine. So that would be my, I guess, words of wisdom. Um, but I I did want to mention one other resource that I've been using. It's called WayUp, W-A-Y-U-P. It's kind of like a LinkedIn I'd say it's more like Indeed rather than LinkedIn. There's it's, there's not like a social media aspect to it, but it's it's another um, kind of like job posting website. I had never heard of it until I'm not, I don't remember how I, how I stumbled upon it, but um, just another resource out there for people. They post a lot of internships on here. So, you know, if anybody's going back to school, they're looking for maybe an internship, but m- most of them are paid. So um, just another resource for everyone.
1: Daria, do you have any, parting thoughts for, for our listeners?
4: Yeah, I would just throw it out there that, you know, happy to connect with with anyone on LinkedIn that wants to, or that, you know, might need a, a push toward a specific resource. But I would just encourage anyone, probably two years, at least one year out, really just sit down and have that conversation with yourself. You know, what what do I want my life to look like? You know, what is my passion in this space? You know, where do I want to go? You know, is that time off more important? Am I okay being connected 24-7? But there's just some real questions that it feels really rushed at the end. And when you're trying to, you know, exit the service and go through TAP and get through all the checklists and get your stuff delivered in the right place, it's it's a lot at once. So if you can just take that quiet time with yourself and really envision what that's going to look like, you know, and think beyond the MSC type realm, like maybe it's marketing that you love, maybe it's risk management, maybe it's a nursing home management, you know, there's so many different opportunities to embed your skill sets. So really think about what that looks like beforehand. So you can make it a reality. That would, that would just be my recommendation because I don't think I took enough time to do that before I actually separate
0: him. Thanks for that. Scott, any saved rounds? <laughs> <laughs> well, well done, well done. First, thanks for having me. This yep. was uh, this was great. This was a lot of fun. Still, Bandara, just uh, LinkedIn connections are on their way to you after this podcast. Just so you know, after we're done recording, hit you guys up. But for, for the group, I would just say enjoy the core in the Air Force, man. The, I loved it. The time goes by way too fast. There's uh, so many opportunities that uh, you're going to take with you for the rest of your life, and obviously, the relationship is probably the most important—that you're going to take with you for the rest of your life. Uh, that are so fulfilling, but just know that your your military and your MSC experience it's prepared you for the transition and what you're going to encounter in the civilian world. And the civilian world really needs our skill set, you know, discipline, hard work, networking, taking care of people. They they need that. So just just take comfort in, in the fact that you're never going to feel totally prepared, and there's probably never a perfect time to transition, but there may be a better time to transition, right, based on your circumstances. And just know that you'll be ready. Also know that you're just going to have no idea what you're doing uh as you're going through this process. And like what was mentioned, it's such a whirlwind at the end. But just give yourself some grace. Know that you're going to make some mistakes. Make Maybe just make some mistakes on those interviews or your resumes or, or what have you. And I, w- I would say don't worry about landing the perfect job, the first one out of the gate, right? I don't know what the statistics are, but geez, I, it, it just looks like people are jumping from job to job all the time. So it doesn't have to be the perfect role for you. Right out the gate, and then the only couple things that help me since you know there's so many options when you're retiring. But really, the three questions that kind of help me focus in is where where do we want to live, what do we want to do, and, and how much you know money do we need, do we want or and or need to make right, and that can kind of steer your focus on where you need to go. If you're looking for jobs all over the United States, that's kind of a hard thing to do, right? But if you're focused in on on where you want to live, whether that's close to the family or whatever it is to your situation, that just kind of helps narrow it down and uh, maybe limit some of the options, which for me is helpful, right? Instead of having way too many options and just kind of being paralyzed by all the info that's out there. Um, And then finally, I would just say, if I can help, and I certainly don't know all the answers, but if I can help anybody out, I, I definitely want to do that. So many people help me through this transition process and continue to help me with this process. So, um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn as we talked about, certainly reach out happy to help. And and thanks again, guys, for, for having me. Well,
1: Daria, Shelby, and Scott, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom and your experiences and also your, your willingness to help others out. Like has been said numerous times throughout our conversation here in the network. And uh, the people that can help give you a hand up, you know, really, really make the experience a lot less stressful, and can really help set people up for an opportunity. Speaking of opportunity, your coming on the podcast has has earned you the exclusive C forty one A notebook, which we will send to you, and we'll reach out to you after the show is over uh, for this notebook, and for our listeners out there. Just know that you can purchase a notebook for the low price of $15, uh, which will not only give you a fabulous book to take notes in, but will also allow you access to exclusive podcast content that not the average listener is privy to. So if you're interested in that notebook, go ahead and reach out to us at seat41a at gmail.com and let us know how many notebooks you want and what address to send them to you and we'll send you payment instructions so once again thank you everybody and uh, from all of us here to all of you out there have a great day
0: C 41 a is an independent company and produced by seat41a media digital media support and creative director Manoj Rima marketing and IT Christopher Foote and Director and Outreach, Greg Taylor.